She equals MC Squared is proud to be sponsored by Agilent Technologies. Agilent is a leader in life sciences, advancing quality of life through people, products, planet, and prosperity. You have to take advantage of the opportunities that come your way. Yes, it may be a lot of hard work, but then that leads to the next step. Today's guest is Jill Tejan, an author, international speaker, and electrical engineer. After more than 45 years in the electric utility industry, Jill's professional focus is now on women's advocacy. She's a former blogger for the Huffington Post. She speaks nationally on the accomplishments of women, nominates women for awards, and is an author of 12 books. Her latest award-winning book, Over, Under, Around, and Through, How Hall of Famers Surmount Obstacles, was released in May 2022. Jill is a frequent keynote speaker as her positive energy and her ability to relate to the audience results in inspired and energized listeners. She has been inducted into the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame and the Colorado Authors Hall of Fame. We're so excited to have this opportunity to chat with Jill. Uh, so Jill, can you tell us a little bit about your path of how you got to be a writer from electrical engineering? That's a pretty big jump. <laughs> and then in college, I actually went to the University of Virginia and a requirement of the engineering school at that time was that everyone had to write an undergraduate thesis. So I was writing and my professor, my statics professor who had hired me to do the research for my undergraduate thesis said, you're going to join the American Society of Mechanical Engineers. My topic was the mechanical performance of polyglycolic acid sutures. So anyone that has had dissolvable sutures, these are the dissolvable sutures. And he said, you're gonna submit an abstract for the student regional conference. So I joined ASME. I submitted an abstract for the student regional conference. It was accepted and I presented. And that was this kind of the start of my speaking career, which is a little bit related, but not it's very related actually to the writing, right. but in parallel. And then I went and I was writing articles. I'd written some articles and then I went to work and my job was to run simulation models of electric utilities and optimization models and document the results. So I was always writing and then I became an expert witness. And when you do expert witness work, you have to write reports you have to write testimony, you have to write direct testimony, you have to write rebuttal testimony, you have to write surrebuttal testimony, and then you have to present it and be subject to cross-examination. And so I was always writing. And then I joined the Society of Women Engineers, and that's a wonderful story that we can do later if you're interested. Absolutely. <laughs> and started writing articles for the magazine, started doing research on historical women, also another story we can talk about, writing articles about that, which then led to books. You have to take advantage of the opportunities that come your way. Yes, it may be a lot of hard work, but then that leads to the next step. And so, right. um, and actually I do have a book titled Recognizing and Taking Advantage of Opportunities, which is book number nine in the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers Women in Engineering series. And that's the whole focus of the book. 
you know, that as opportunities present themselves, sometimes you can say no, but it's so much more interesting most of the time if you say yes. Absolutely. Even though you don't know what you're getting into. And so one of my questions for you is, will you ever... Did you ever feel like, oh, my gosh, I couldn't tackle this? This is just obviously beyond me. This is not something I could possibly do or figure out. And then well, have, like, the motivators behind you go, no, 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 you got this. You got this. You you, you can do it. Well, the, my latest book is titled Over, Under, Around, and Through, How Hall of Famers Surmount Obstacles. And I wrote that book with Ellie Greenberg. And we were both inductees into the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. And I said to Ellie, and this is an answer to your question, believe it or not. I said to Ellie, what did you do when there was an obstacle in your way? And wordlessly, she took her hand and made a little serpentine motion with it. And that's when I knew we could write the book. Because, yeah, there Lots of things have happened in my life, and some of them are not very pleasant, and one of them is documented in the book. And I find, you find a way. You go over, you go under, you go around, or you go through. You figure out a way to go around an obstacle. It's not an obstacle. It's a learning experience. Many of the women in the book said that. It's a learning yeah. experience, or it's a way to shape their lives, or it redefine how they approach life. And so being in the third class of women admitted as undergraduates to the University of Virginia, I mean, I, I dodged a bullet there because that's where I really wanted to go. I wanted to go to the University of Virginia and thank God they were admitting women by the time I was ready to go. That's fantastic. Yeah. So do you look at that that way too? Like, oh, there's my obstacle. Guess I need to go around it. Instead of like, oh, no, now I got to turn around and go back. Oh, I never turn around and go back. Never. Too um, stubborn for that. I, I just, I'm, so the, the topic, I think I will do this now. The topic that is written about me in the book is the murder-suicide of my mother-in-law and father-in-law nine months after my first husband and I were married. We never went, Whoa, okay, we're done. We went, right. okay. What is the next step we have to take? We're going to raise his two brothers. They're 14 and 18, and we're 22. How do we get them here? How do we get them enrolled in school? How do we continue to function? How do we move through our lives? How do we get them to college? You know, all of those kinds of things. And so, no, it's, okay, so this, this bad thing or this difficult thing or this unexpected thing happened. So how do I still get to my goal? Mm -hmm. It's not, oh, I can't get to my goal. Correct. It's how am I going to get to my goal? It's like my mom used to say, you have no choice. Exactly. Like, what happens if we fail? We, we can't fail. We have no choice. Exactly. And, uh, you know, my mom, who was an immigrant from um, Estonia, and, you know, came over and all she had was her education. She had her PhD in chemistry. And, uh, you know, every time I would like learn about this and that, this hard class is really hard. I don't understand it. It's like, oh, I just keep going. Keep going. I'm like, what do you mean keep going? She's like, I, I was used to tell her when I was really young. U.S. history was very hard for me coming from European history. 
Um, and I always told her, I'm, I don't have the talent. I just don't have the talent to be your sister. She goes, there's nothing to do with talent. Just go get yourself submerged. You can do it. You have no choice. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to graduate. No, you're going to graduate. You have no choice. So that was the pep talk. It was never an amount like, no, like, oh, you can do it. You can just work harder. Nope. Just this is what you got. Make it work. Just make it work and just get through it. And that was a good lesson, maybe pretty little early to learn it at 16, 15. But it was uh, very, very true. And um, it helped me a lot in college as well. Because again, going into chemical engineering, there were those little obstacles where they looked at you go, oh, you're a woman. What are you doing here? Why are you in this class? You know, well, I'm going to still be here. So, <laughs> right. And, and I guess I'm thinking back the way we were, or at least I was, or I believe that I was rewarded as a child mm-hmm. was through achievement and accomplishments. Yes. Absolutely. And, and so I give myself gold stars now, you know, I, I always want to get the A. I always want to get the gold star. I always want to complete. I always want to do all of those things. And so I don't, I mean, I remember being bored in school. And so at one point I taught myself how to write with my left hand. I'm right-handed. And then in high school, I did some other not so nice things. At least the teachers thought where I was knitting and crocheting in class because I was so bored and when I was selling my, my little products, but, um, I, you know, there was never, um, uh, even the possibility that I wasn't going to do everything that was required. And my first year in college, we haven't gotten to this point yet of discussing this part of my career path. I didn't start as, a, as in engineering school. I started in the College of Arts and Sciences as a math major. And by the way, I do not like biology. I hate chemistry. I am not science-oriented. I am very math-oriented. That's why electrical engineering is good for me. But my my first year in college, I was in the College of Arts and Sciences. And my second semester, I was in physics, environmental science, astronomy, and I don't remember what else, but um, I came home with mononucleosis Oof. and two C's. And my dad asked me, did you learn anything in those classes? And until I went into very recent counseling, I always thought he meant, well, your performance was poor, and therefore you couldn't have learned anything. Whereas one of my counselors suggested to me that that actually wasn't what he was saying. And that was how I was interpreting it because of my drive to always do so well. And, and so transferring to engineering was wonderful. That was where I belonged. That was where all of my skills and aptitudes matched the classes that I was taking and it was wonderful for me. So the, that's a thing that you brought up that you didn't do so well for you, right? C's are still passing class and you probably learned quite a bit if you, if you think about it. But can you uh, share a failure or an experience you had in your career that you just said, okay, now I got to get stand back up and keep going? And like, what, what did you learn from that experience? 
Well, I know that the, the question is my career, but I think it's actually a life lesson. And that's my divorce. Okay. And so I got divorced after 18 years of marriage. And that wasn't even an option. Actually, early on, you, you, in my family, you make a commitment, you make a promise, you say you're going to do something. So when my first husband and I started having problems, not all that surprisingly, given, given what I've already said about the background. Right. So much pressure. Um, I didn't even think that was an option, but mom said probably the most important thing that she ever said to me in my life, which was, this is one commitment you don't have to honor. And so I went into counseling immediately. I started learning so many things. I am not going to make these mistakes again. And so that failure was an opportunity for me to learn and to learn how to move forward in a different way and potentially a more productive way and a, and a better way for me. And so there there have been, I don't know that I would consider, there have been career changes, there have been career obstacles. I'm not sure I necessarily considered them failures as much as learning opportunities. And at one company, where they said I was going to be made a vice president. I wasn't. And I eventually left and they didn't want me to go when I left, but I didn't feel that I'd been treated appropriately and that the expectations were right. But, and I already had a new job, but um, no, I think the, the divorce was particularly difficult in terms of it was so outside of my expectations of behavior for me. And that was right. so indicative of a failure of expectations and assumptions that I had and what I had to learn from that. So do you have a special mentor that like, you know, that helped you find your, aha, I belong here kind of moment? Hi everyone. Merit Laboratories has grown into being a national leader in environmental laboratory testing, supporting projects throughout the United States. And we could not have done this without the support of our trusted partner, Agilent Technologies. Agilent is a global leader in the life sciences, diagnostics, and applied chemical markets. From insight to outcome, Agilent's full range of solutions includes instruments, software, services, and expertise that provide trusted answers to their clients' most challenging questions. And Mayor Laboratories knows this firsthand. You can visit Agilent Technologies at www.agilent.com to learn more. So do you have a special mentor or teacher that inspired you um, that like, you know, that helped you find your, aha, I belong here kind of moment? Well, I, I was thinking about this question and I would have to say that my role model, not my mentor, but my role model was my father. That was uh, in the end, a PhD engineer who worked for NASA and predecessor organizations for his entire career. And that's what I thought my career was gonna be like, particularly once I understood that I wasn't gonna be a math major and that I was gonna be an engineer and that I had those aptitudes. And what I've had are people who I consider to be sponsors, more so than mentors. And sponsors are people who make sure that opportunities are available for me, 
that I have the appropriate training to do certain things. My first boss's boss recognized my speaking ability. He recommended, and I did take the training to be a speaker when I was at Duke Power, my first employer. When I then went to work in Colorado for Mobile Oil Corporation's Mining and Coal Division, the two gentlemen in marketing recognized my abilities and made sure that I had opportunities there. And then at Stone and Webster, the same thing. And then in my nonprofit group, one of my favorite stories is I was at a groundbreaking at the University of Colorado at Boulder for one of the engineering buildings, seated next to a senior vice president from what I think was then Public Service Company of Colorado. And he said to me, you know, you're going to be president of this organization. Well, no, I didn't know I was going to be president. I was the first female president. I was the first female board member. I was the first female almost everything in that organization. And no, I didn't know I was going to be that. But he told me that. And so that confidence and that knowledge and that awareness that they had of the skills and abilities that I had, that it's kind of changes your mindset. Oh, I'm going to be president. No, I didn't know that. And he says it. So that means that they're thinking it. Yeah. So So I've, I've had them all along the way. Just amazing individuals who made sure that I got, as I said, the right training and the right opportunities. And when those opportunities came along, they supported me in every way possible. I feel like that um, at my lab as well. I have an amazing team behind me. You know, I can go out there and promise the world. And if I, if I can't deliver, you know, I'm just as good as my word. And that just, my team members all have the confidence and, and my leadership. And they just, you know, keep saying, I keep saying, I'm not a leader. I'm just with you guys. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you go out there, you do, you do then, you know, we back you up. And to have that team is, is just amazing. And, I love it. And you're right. There's like, there's a few key people when you're talking and telling your story that I know I had in my life that had confidence way more in me than I do in myself. And then at that point, you gotta be like, well, I can't let them down. <laughs> like they already think this of me. I better step up and make sure that I deliver, right? I've always been like that. Like I have to, I want to make sure everyone's happy. I think that's one that gives me that unique edge. Uh, with our laboratory as well, where we're not just the science that are just pumping out results on environmental things. We help you with your problems. We talk to you. We want to make sure you're successful so you keep coming back. And um, so that's that's great that you had the people like that behind you as well. Um, so the people that you work with, what do you feel are your, like, key characteristics and traits that you look for and you say, you know what, this is maybe a good person to work with. Well, somebody who is highly self-motivated. And what I, what I generally say is for, and I have talks that I give on this for Mm -hmm. real estate, the three key characteristics that make a piece of real estate are location, location, and location. And for an employee, I want to see motivation, motivation, a motivation. I'm someone who is a self-starter, someone who doesn't sit there, you know, 
waiting for you to tell them what to do, but goes and figures out what to do and always follows through. This is something I still do not understand as an adult person, how another adult person can say to me, yes, Jill, I will write a chapter in the book that you are editing and then not write the chapter. I I don't even understand how that is possible without telling me, you know, the dog ate my homework, my mother is dying, the kid has a problem. You can tell me there's a problem. You can tell me there's a reason not to do it or that you can't do it or that you got this new project at work and this is an auxiliary project and you don't have time to do it, but just disappear and tell me that you're not, and and never tell me that you're not going to write a chapter. And so I want to see people who have motivation. I want to see people who have commitment. And one of my friends, whose name is Jackie, she's the general manager of Austin Energy. Her nickname is Dumost, D-O-M-O-S-T. Her boss could give her a project and she could do most of them. And whatever that was, so that was her nickname, Dumost. She became reliable. She became dependable. And he could trust her ability to move forward in her work. And so, yes, you have to have all the technical skills and you have to have all of those, not all the knowledge that comes with it. But in order to move into a leadership position, you have to be able to do most. You have to be able to be reliable and dependable and motivated and follow through on your commitments and do all those kinds of things without becoming a victim, without making an excuse, without doing all of those things, which make me crazy. So with the young women, I'm hoping that are listening to us, what do you think is the best way to build confidence in them? Like, to, you know, from the start, just having that confidence. To, it doesn't have to always work. It doesn't always have to work no, out. It, it doesn't you know, always have to it, work. And yeah. and I know this is a shameless plug for my book, but over, <laughs> under, around, and through, how Hall of Famers surmount obstacles of us, every single person face obstacles in our lives, actually continuously. Just because we had one this morning doesn't mean we're done for the day, doesn't mean we're done for the week, doesn't mean we're done for the month. You can expect another one this afternoon, another one tomorrow morning, another one tomorrow night. We always have obstacles. What we do have is we have the skills already, whether we know it or not, to face those obstacles in our lives. And so these stories just demonstrate how you do it. And if you don't think that you do, then you don't. But if you even slightly, well, because you, but you really, really do. I need to emphasize that. You really, really, really have the skills that you need to overcome the obstacles in your lives. Remember, sometimes is around. It's not always through an obstacle. You can go over it, under it, around, or through it. It is not always bulldog through. And so you find other people to talk to and this, this confidence I will say, and I've told so many young women this, and I believe it in my heart of hearts, and I wouldn't say it to them if I didn't believe it. These young women 
who are thinking about science, technology, engineering, and math careers, they are so smart and they are so capable. And the tragedy is that they don't believe that because society gives them other messages. And so they, if they don't listen, they don't have to listen to anybody else. They just have to listen to me. There you go. Which is, they are strong. They are capable. They can do it. I completely believe in them. I believe in them from morning until night. I have no doubt of their ability. And I, I just encourage everyone that I can because I believe they can make it. One of the things that I know from my experience is that the young men who leave the STEM fields generally leave because they're on academic probation, which means their grades are awful. The young women that leave the STEM careers don't have awful grades. They've performed well in class, but for some reason, they don't believe that they are capable, but they are. And so I just want to say that as many times as I possibly can, because they don't believe it, but it's true. They are capable and they can do it and they are stronger than they know. Absolutely. Uh, just to, um, reiterate the point i had an example when i was uh teaing in graduate school um turbulence modeling class well flow model fluid dynamics class in chemical engineering it was senior level everybody had to take it and it was the last semester before graduation and in the middle of a final this girl gets up and she hands me her exam and she's got tears coming down her eyes and she says i i can't do this i'm i'm, I'm gonna have to take a fail and I leave the classroom with her and I say, listen, take a deep breath, count to 10. That's all I knew at the time. <laughs> Go back, sit down and just write down what you know. These great, these finals, especially at this level, always get curved and you know more than you think. Just take a, take a minute, calm down, maybe go to the bathroom, get a drink of water, come back and do it. And she did, she took my advice. And she ended up getting, I think, like a two five on the exam, which was way above what she needed. But she would have literally gotten a zero. Right. Wouldn't have been able to graduate because she needed this class to graduate. And I was just that, just having that little bit of a push. Now, they have to take the advice as well because, <laughs> you know, that's the most important. But it was, I just remember she sent me a letter. This is kind of like at the beginning of email time. And she thanked me. I got a letter like two months later that I graduated. Thank you so much. And it just takes that little bit, little bit of confidence to, you know, just continue, just keep going, just keep going. Right. So this is a story from long ago, a woman who graduated in 1949 in engineering. And at that point in time, as a freshman or right, like the first few days you were there, you had to take a math test to demonstrate what your capability yep. was. And this was back in the day when they posted the results on the doors of the professor's door. You may or may not remember anything like that. But this I is do. The, I do. This is the good old days. Yeah. So she went to see her score and she had an F. So she went back to her dorm and started packing her trunk to go home. Came in and said, what are you doing? 
And she said, I had an F, I can't be here, I'm going home. And this other person who I think was another woman said to her, I don't think you got an F, let's go find out some more information. So what I can't remember right now is if it was on the wrong line or if it was the wrong grade, but it was one of those. And her name was Helen. Helen is no longer with us, but Helen then graduated in civil engineering four years later. And so sometimes you, you can't believe those negative messages that you get. I mean, I, when I was taking my fundamentals of engineering exam to become licensed, I walked into the venue, I unpacked all my stuff because this is when you took all your books with you. And I sat down, I opened, no, this was my PE exam, sorry, my PE exam. I opened up the test. I looked at all the questions. I went, I'm going home. I started packing all of this. You know, this is after I've worked for six years. I've already graduated from college. I already had my MBA. You know, all of this stuff. I'm taking the PE exam. And then I went to myself. Well, this is what I was planning to do today. So I might as well just do it. <laughs> and I passed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And so, so I guess it's, it's important for the listeners to understand that we all have these issues and we all have these concerns. And even very successful people have what is sometimes referred to as imposter syndrome. And what you have to do is you just have to keep going. It's like what we discussed earlier. You have to keep going. It's not necessarily faking it until you make it. It's trying to get yourself over that hump where you finally, for whatever reason in that moment, believe all those daggone messages that society is giving you, which are not true. Right. And give yourself the message that says, and I don't actually either, you know, I'm strong, I'm competent, I'm capable, or, oh, what the heck, you know, I was going to spend a day doing this exam, I might as well take it, because yeah. I'm here. Give I mean, it some loving. <laughs> there's something that keeps you there so that you keep on moving forward because you are strong and you are capable and you are smart and you can do this. That, I love it. I love the message. Um, so before we end, I want to ask you a final question. Um, what excites you about the future and the women leaders in science that you see from everything you're doing and talks and books? They, the, the women that are coming up are the, the words I just used so strong and so capable and so committed to their careers and so so innovative they have so many good ideas you know the challenges that face us from climate change to how we're going to provide electricity to how we're going to feed the world to how we're going to electrify the world these young women in science and technology and engineering and math they have such excellent training, such good ideas, such ability to make a difference in the world. And that's very exciting. I am. Yeah, I'm excited too <clears throat> to see us move forward and being instead of like 50% driven by the men, maybe have a much more empowered source. Like, hey, there's half of us right here that can help solve all these things. So yeah, 
I love it. This is great. Thank you so much. I, I just, I love listening to you talk, Jill. I can listen to you forever. I think I'm, you know, going to continue reading your book and then I'm already thinking about buying the other one. So, well, thank you. They're, they're each a little bit different, but, uh-huh. um, it's, it's really important to me to, to tell women's stories and the right women into history because women aren't in the history textbook. And that's actually another issue for these young women today. Where are they going to find the role models? Let me tell you that they are there. If you look hard enough, you can find the female role models. It's not going to be in your American history textbook. It's going to be in my books or it's going to be in other books that are available on the market. But they are there and they were there and they have been there for hundreds of years. Yes. And this is the kind of thing that I'm trying to get out in the world with this podcast is to like, you know, one little angle, but finding you has been a gem and I love it. So thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, I, I think the biggest, I guess this is kind of cheesy, right? Because our, our podcast is called Cheap with MC Square, but I just love the energy. I really do. I I love sincerely the energy that you bring to the table and, um, you know, the talk. And I hope that um, the young women that are listening or anybody who's listening, regardless of their sex, I guess, it, you know, can uh, take a take away something from this i appreciate it thank you so much for having me thank you thank you for listening to the episode of she equals mc squared we hope you walk away with a renewed inspiration and a new energy for more information about our podcast guests and our sponsor agilent technologies please see our show notes there's also a link in the show notes about how you can connect with our podcast she equals MC squared is produced by Heidi Komar of Blue Ops and hosted by me, Maya Mershak, CEO of Merit Laboratories. Until next time, we encourage you to spread the light, energy, and power of women leaders in science.